amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Weisel, and I am so excited to be bringing you the first of two Churros Hotline episodes. We will be doing this episode, which is Walt Disney World specific. Yes, I corralled the latest and greatest questions coming out of Walt Disney World for this one. And then in a few weeks, a little down the road, we will do yet another Churros Hotline episode with questions on everything from Disneyland Paris to Disneyland Resort to D23 to so many other things. I am especially excited to be bringing you this Disney World specific episode because my favorite thing is to just obsess about Disney World planning and this podcast episode really let me do that really let me dive in on a lot of specifics and I'm very very excited but the second reason I'm so stoked is because finally I have reached a point where I am on top of the Churros hotline inbox Uh, for anyone who doesn't run a digital phone number that is open to the public it is very 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 embarrassing possible to organize. It is just naturally disorganized. You can't, you know, it's not like email where you can read one and then like save it as new or you can't like, like leave a note. It's basically you listen to it. Uh, you can't search by phone number. So I have to write down keywords to find the calls. It's, uh, it's very hard to manage, but I have spent the entire week cleaning out the churros inbox, organizing every call in a spreadsheet figuring out what we're hitting this time, figuring out what we're hitting next time, and I'm very happy to be able to bring all this to you, finally in an organized fashion. So I'm not going to keep us from it any longer. I hope you're as excited to get into Disney World Calls as I am. Stick around after this break, and we'll get into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. This is Hannah from Cleveland, Ohio. I just wanted to know if you could add one song to the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride, what would it be, themed or not? I think if I was going closer to theme, I would do Rock the Casbah by The Clash. And I think if I was just going with any song, I would add Dare by Gorillaz. Listen forward to your answer on the podcast. Ooh. Now I need you to know from the jump how seriously I took this assignment. I looked up the beats per minute of all six songs currently featured on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot, the glorious roller coaster that I adore. And they're really all over the place. The BPM for uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears is 112, which is the lowest. And then the highest is One Way or Another by Blondie and 162, which seems so high. But apparently the website dedicated to song BPMs, I got to trust them. It's their only job. So there is this huge spectrum, which is not what I was expecting when I went in scientifically with numbers. So then I ended up kind of tooling around on Spotify, completely destroying my algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) It is very curated to like, like mostly women who sing songs that uh, I like to listen to while I work out. It's like a lot of Lizzo. But regardless, I kind of did a, a deep dive and I came across a lot of great songs that I think would work great. Like Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, which I know is used It's uh, by Wham. I know it's used in a pivotal scene in Zoolander, one of my all-time favorite movies, but it could have worked great here. I also think the police's Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic could have worked really well. But then I started digging into playlists and I found things like Ozzy Osbourne Crazy Train, which would be so good on this ride, or Billy Joel, You May Be Right, which fits 
really well. Like if you think you may be right, like it works. That's uh, that's me singing in like a weird clown voice. Uh, but it kind of works for the coaster because as we've learned with something like Everybody Wants to Rule the World, a slower song can work on this coaster. And I know that Imagineers listened to, I believe the stat was over 100 songs to try to piece everything together. But in my research, I found the one song that I am now shocked and mildly outraged is not on the playlist for Cosmic Rewind. And that is Any Way You Want It by Journey. Because that song would work perfectly. Why is that not on the ride? It needs to be on the ride. Can we get rid of one of the songs? I mean... I don't think anybody's favorite is I Ran by a Flock of Seagulls. I think we can probably cut that out and shove Journey in there. But I'll put a little snippet after this. I'm just going to put it when I'm not talking in case we get flagged for rights and have to <laughs> redo the podcast episode. But I'll put a little snippet of it right here. Any way you want it, that's the way you need it. Any way you want it. I mean, is that not perfect? Is that not perfect for Cosmic Rewind. Oh my God. Now I'm going to, I'm going to have to go back to that situation where, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I wrote a story a long time ago for New York Magazine about how, um, (laughs) Tom Morris, who worked on Space Mountain at Disneyland, there was like, he was originally trying to sync up songs to go with it. And I did that and put headphones on the ride and it was amazing. And I really enjoyed it. I'll link that in the show notes, but it, now I'm kind of like, do I have to wear headphones and listen to this journey song when I'm on Cosmic Rewind to make magic happen? But wow, 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 wow. If anyone has other suggestions or agrees with me, please let me know because, oh my God, we need this song on the ride. Thank you so much for calling. What a good question. Hey, Carly. This is Emily calling from Maryland. I am debating a first solo trip to Walt Disney World. Um, I've gone with friends and family, obviously, before, but I'm debating that first maybe long weekend to just go by myself. Any tips and tricks for a first-timer solo trip to Walt Disney World? Thanks. Love the podcast. As someone who is solo in the parks often, I gotta tell you, you are about to uncover the truth of how nice it is to be alone in Walt Disney World. It is wonderful and such a privilege to be able to do what you want when you want to do it. Whether you're planning to utilize single rider lines on attractions or sneaking popcorn out of your backpack while you're on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, not that I've ever done that before or do it every single time, it's just really nice to be able to take time for yourself and enjoy the parks in somewhat of a different way than you might be used to. So is one pro solo Disney traveler to another. I've made a little list of do's and don'ts for solo travel at Walt Disney World. Do find at least one thing you've never done before or never made time for before and commit to doing it. Whether it's a stage show you've always put off or a sleepy attraction that your friends and family never want to ride, this is your chance to do it. Maybe it's seeing a Circle Vision film in Epcot or enjoying the Kauai exhibit in the Japan Pavilion's art gallery, both of which are great, or even exploring Tom Sawyer Island, which I've only done alone and I really enjoyed doing that. It's so fun to see something new when you're on your own time. Do not, don't, feel pressured to sit down for a real meal. You can eat what you want, when you want, and you gotta lean into that. You're in charge. You're the boss. Snacks for every meal? Do it. Dessert for breakfast? Live your life. You should basically emulate the dream that young you would have for old you on vacation. Make young you proud by way of eating ooh, whatever you want. Do explore the resort beyond the parks. Traveling solo is such a great time to take a little side journey from the usual favorites. So consider... I don't know, taking the bus to a hotel you haven't visited before and just wandering around, seeing what the gift shops sell, taking the views, have a fun little treat. Maybe it's a resort with a themed cupcake. It's just such a nice way to get those fresh Disney feels all over again and possibly see a new side of Disney World you haven't experienced before. There is nothing I love more than new Disney, like seeing something that I 
I will never go back to never having not seen before. That was a horrible way to phrase it, but it is so exciting to me. And I even get that jolt from having traveled to an overseas park as easily as I've gotten it from like going to a Disney World hotel I've never, ever seen before. So it's worth it's worth a shot. If you've never been to a Wilderness Lodge or Fort Wilderness or Old Key West, give it a shot. It's just fun to see something new. Don't take a bus from the airport. Uh, This is advice that works as equally for um, the Disney Magical Express, which no longer exists, as it does with the current bus operators that provide transportation from the airport to your Walt Disney World Resort Hotel. Don't do it. And here's why. It is the weirdest you will feel on your entire trip. I assure you. I am almost always arriving at MCO, the airport in Orlando, completely solo. And I have port at least a day or a portion of my trips when I'm alone, if not the entire time. And this is always the one moment where I feel weird. And it's not because of me. It's because everyone on that bus is in such a family. We all got here. We're all together. We're heading to the parks. They're in that family mode that it is such a weird vibe. It is truly the only time I am am uncomfortable at Disney World because I feel so judged on that bus alone. It happens every time. It happens nearly every time. And I don't want you to go through that. So take an Uber, rent a car. Just do not take an inbound bus. Trust me on this. Just trust me. Do push yourself to do something out of your comfort zone. It can be anything from riding a roller coaster when you're a little uh, about sitting next to a stranger on one to meeting Mickey Mouse solo. It really doesn't matter what it is. It's worth doing just at least one thing that in your brain you might have built up a rule where you're like, I could never because you'd be shocked how you might feel after you do it. When I originally started covering Walt Disney World, I felt this way about eating at a restaurant solo. And yeah, I'm real glad I got over that. (laughs) Because if I didn't, then I wouldn't have been able to spend my most recent trip to Disney World at, and I had about four hours at the airport alone, and I went to a Chili's, and I went nuts on a platter of chips and cheese, and it was truly heaven. So you definitely want to reach that peak of joy like I did, and just overcome a little something so that next time you will have accomplished and gotten through something you thought you couldn't have done before. And my final don't, don't aimlessly scroll on your phone. When I'm at the parks alone, I really find myself trapped on my phone, specifically on social media, way, way, way too much. When I could be doing something I like and choose to do while waiting in line. I would recommend bringing a book or saving a few long articles or stories on your phone that you've wanted to read, or even pre-downloading some TV shows that you've been meaning to watch. There is nothing wrong with being on your phone. You don't have to make small talk with anyone. You don't have to watch a child. You don't have responsibility. So you should use that time to carve out a little me time before you're boarding a ride. Don't aimlessly waste it just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling like I usually do. Have a plan, and this way you can even make the time when you're waiting for a ride that much more productive. One small note, additionally, if you are traveling solo, just always keep safety in mind. Make sure that when you're in your hotel room, you are double locking that door. Remember, someone does come into a Walt Disney World Resort hotel room once a day to do a safety check. They will knock before entering, but if you are in your room during the day, definitely know that that could happen uh, and just be, be cautious and be aware of it as well as do not let anyone know on the internet in terms of posting stories, posting on social media. Do not post what hotel you are staying at while you're staying there. I tend to avoid doing that just for safety reasons. It's just an extra layer of security and have the best time (laughs) that I've terrified you. I'm like, lock the door, don't post, have fun. But truly have so much fun. Uh, Going solo to Walt Disney World is a unique and wonderful experience and I hope you have the best time. Have so much fun! Hi, Carly. It is Savannah again. So I'm sitting here, you know, like, whatever. I'm going to try to crack this because I need to answer all these questions. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go to, um, you know, Disneyland. I go to Disneyland, same date, October 6th through October 10th, and there is not a single room available. None. It is a mystery. I can buy tickets but I cannot book a hotel. So 
Again, I am looking on the internet, and all I can find is general BS about staffing shortages and like weird maybe glitches. But I really need to crack the code because I really need to go um, that that weekend. All right, thank you so much. I will be stalking your every move to see if you answer this. If you don't, I will just cry myself to sleep. Okay, bye. All right, I am playing this call here not because this is my first time answering this question. It is because I have texted back and forth with this caller. I have asked people. I have researched. I have looked around. And I do not know if there is a secret reason. All signs seem to be pointing to the resorts are busy. The rooms are booked. There's no availability. But I cannot for the life of me... (laughs) figure out why this keeps happening. I've seen it in this clump of dates. I believe that I have seen it in another clump of dates where there's just nothing. There are just no rooms, which is pretty wild for a time when it's not, you know, like a like a big race. There's a marathon happening. There isn't. It's not summer. It's not a holiday. It's interesting. And I'm leaving this call here in case anybody listening happens to know inside information and wants to let me know either on the record or off the record, because I got to solve this mystery. It is kind of like it is wedged in my brain and I need to know. And the caller, if I'm able to share with them, deserves an answer. So if anyone knows, please let me know, because this one has really been grinding my gear. Oh my gosh. Why? It can't be. I mean, I know it's busy, but like, there's not even like one room. Oh my God. Why? So weird. Hi, Carly. This is Lindsay calling from Ohio. Um, My husband and our two children and I are Walt Disney World regulars, but this fall we are bringing my brother and his wife and child and my parents on their first Walt Disney World trip with us. And since this is the first time we'll be bringing grandparents, this will be my first opportunity to have an adult night out um, in the evenings with my um, husband and my brother and sister-in-law. And so my question is, um, if you had a night off from the kids at Walt Disney World, um, not that you have kids, but I'm sure you know what fun adults do without kids at the parks, <laughs> what would you do on your one um free night during your visit. Um, Thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing from you. What would I do on my one night off from hypothetical children? Well, if I was in your position, I would probably be very stressed out and very in need of chilling, not like running from ride to ride to ride to ride. I would really want to take it easy. So because I'm not sure about your theme park admission on the day that this is happening, or if you the group drinks alcohol, or if some of the group drinks alcohol, or if all the group drinks alcohol, I will give you a few different options to play around with that hopefully will give some sort of solution to this glorious night off from the kids. So if theme parks are in play, if you are able to go to the parks, I'm always going to vote for Epcot just because there are so many options for things to do there. But my night would definitely involve getting a table at La Cava del Tequila or grabbing snacks and drinks from Choza de Margarita, the stand across from La Cantina de San Angel. It's basically if you're walking into the structure in the Mexico Pavilion, it is on your left right before you enter. Um, And I would actually get some stuff from Chosa de Margarita and leave to go find a table and chairs you can chill at. La Cantina is usually slammed, but I would want to find a quiet place to sit and hang out and enjoy my treats. We really don't talk about Chosa here too often, but they do have a really good guacamole and a pretty reliable assortment of snacks, which is a great spot to start the night at. And If you don't drink, you can always find some non-alcoholic options at La Cava. You can bop over to La Cantina de San Angel, the the quick service restaurant for (laughs) their ambiguously named slushy. I have Googled it a bunch and have uh, found no results. So I don't know what that is, but I know it exists. And the next time I'm there, I'm going to have to figure out what that is. Or Choza has a Mexican punch. They have four frozen alcoholic margaritas and don't have a single non-alcoholic frozen margarita, which is a crime. That is a crime. Truly just sometimes you just want a cold frozen tasty drink, but it doesn't need to have booze in it. Lame. Just just take one of the machines and make it a non-alcoholic one. Ugh, so lame. Anyway, from there, I would probably wander through the World Showcase, snacking or sipping on whatever called my name. And then at the end of the night, I would probably take a monorail ride back towards one of the Magic Kingdom area hotels. So... 
Ideally, I would maybe stop by Grand Floridian, maybe go to the Poly, whatever, whatever I choose would want to end the night watching Electrical Water Pageant. If you are not visiting the parks and you're sticking to hotels, it is quite similar to what I just teed up. I would start early at Enchanted Rose at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. Now, that bar thematically does not work in this hotel, and I I say that and I stand behind it, but the cocktail menu is so strong that I just have to give in and support it. They also have a non-alcoholic spritzer with seed lip that sounds really good. After that, I would probably want another little something. So I would head over to Disney's Polynesian Village Resort and I would try to get an outdoor table at Trader Sam's. Now, the indoor tables at Trader Sam's are deeply in demand. The space is themed and fun. It's like an attraction on its own. It's entertaining. But no, no, this is our night off from the kids. We get enough noise and plenty of surprises with the little ones. So we are here to chill, to have a good time. And between the tiki torches and depending on the time, the live music, and the drinks and the food and there's even non-alcoholic punch and other drinks. This is the place to be if you really want to just kick back and relax on your night off. If you happen to not be able to get a table because it's too busy or one's not ready and so you have to wait, you can always get a handful of boozy and non-boozy cocktails at Tambu Lounge by Ohana inside the hotel while you wait, or just snack on some food from Captain Cook's or grab a Dole Whip at Pineapple Lanai and chill and enjoy the ambiance of this resort. I just think it's the right place to get that unwind kind of vibe. And depending on the time and how your night pans out, I do love to watch Magic Kingdom fireworks specifically from this resort hotel. I hope you have a wonderful trip. Let me know how it goes. I hope these suggestions went over well. And we need a non-alcoholic frozen margarita. It's frozen day margarita. Uh, that's my next mission. That's what I'm on next. Thank you for calling. Hey, Carly. This is Kathy calling from Indiana. And I have a popcorn question for you. Talking to my husband the other night, we decided this next trip to Disney, we are definitely getting a popcorn bucket. And I have heard you talk before, it might have been your mom, actually, talked about the maple popcorn and Epcot, and then obviously they have the regular butter popcorn. But are there any more, like, funky-flavored popcorns like the maple anywhere? If so, what are they, and where can we find them? We're super excited to give this a try. Thanks. Yes, you are right. There is maple popcorn at Epcot's Canada Pavilion. It is less sticky, sugary sweet than my beloved caramel corn from Caramel Kush and now at Magic Kingdom. But the good thing is that you can get a scoop of it into your popcorn bucket as a refill, which is a rarity. So you can load up on it for a low cost or just try it. And if you don't like it, move on back to the regular popcorn, which I love. I love having that option. I love to save money and I love to eat popcorn. However, in terms of other popcorn flavors, your options are quite slim and you really can't get anything as part of a popcorn bucket refill anymore. Also, we're not even going to touch the popcorn sold in the gift shops in a pre-sealed bag. No thank you, do not want at all. Basically, your main options are limited to one location, Katsaka's Kettle. Here you can get buttered blue grains, which I would prefer a standard popcorn instead of one that's blue just for fun, or the Outpost popcorn mix, which is like a little sweet, a little spicy. Um, I don't love it. I've eaten it before, but it doesn't beat the regular fake butter popcorn because it's fake. It's vegan. Isn't that fun? The regular standard Disney popcorn for me. There is also the abomination on Main Street USA at Magic Kingdom where you can mix your popcorn with a bunch of chocolate syrup, whatnot, and M&Ms and a bunch of candy. And I think there's, I don't even know. I made one of those, oh gosh, right after the Disney wish. And I I did it because someone told me like, oh, it's fun. Like you put it in the fridge and then it hardens and it's yummy. And I'm like, oh, I like, I like, you know, like a chocolate bark with a lot of candy in it. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Like a way to eat a bunch of candy and popcorn. And I got it and was going to make a little video about the experience. And I hated the popcorn I got so much (laughs) that I thought it was not even worth putting on the Internet and sharing because it was so vile. It was such a waste of money. It was so much money. It was like $12 and I had to throw it out. It was horrific. So do not. I should have stuck to my instincts. But a bunch of people on social media were like, come with me to build a popcorn. And I'm like, "Okay, well, everyone looks like they're having a great time. And like, 
I mean, what's so bad about dessert? I guess I've been wrong before. I could be wrong again. I was not wrong. I was not wrong. Do not go there. Do not do that cursed popcorn mix. Blah, blah, blah. But anyway, (laughs) to get back to what we're talking about and not be on a tangent, uh, there was once upon a time a true answer to your question, which is that there was flavored popcorn available at the cart that's in Future World, like kind of by journey, it was like right between there if you're walking to Soren. And they were, those flavors were available with a refill, which feels like a knife to the heart because now I really want them. They had cheddar cheese, sour cream and chive, and buffalo blue cheese, but sadly, no more. Those flavors got eventually moved to the Epcot Experience, which is not currently open. So the fun and funky popcorn is MIA. I also need to mention that while I was just fact-checking and double-checking everything, I do have a bad short-term memory, I admit it, but a popcorn is now 550. 550. Anytime I buy popcorn, obviously I'm going to buy it multiple times a day. I love it. Um, I get upset because it should be 425. <laughs> you know how like when you first start visiting Disney parks, sometimes there's these costs that just get lodged in your brain where you're like a soda should cost 375. Like it's just stuck in your head and popcorn should be 425. No ifs, ands, or props about it because whole, holy corn, holy corn. It should not be the over $5. And I know I got to put on my little business reporter cap to do, do, do and acknowledge that. Yes, it is a pandemic. Yes. The Walt Disney company has to recoup. Yes. They need to increase profits year over year, but oh my God, the increase on the price of like Corn makes no sense. Make a cheeseburger cost $16. Don't make this popcorn be almost halfway on all halfway to $6. Okay, I can't. I'll stop screaming. I'll stop screaming, but yikes. Yikes, it's expensive. Anyway, try the uh, try the maple popcorn. I do like it. Um, it is like a fun, it's a snackier alternative to the caramel one because the caramel one I eat over time. But I, I hope you like it. And if anyone sees any sour cream, cheddar, blue cheese popcorn back on the horizon, just call the churros hotline and keep calling until I pick up <laughs> because that would be an emergency for me. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're out here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Carly. This is Kelsey from Indiana. Um, my friend and I will be going to Disney World at the end of September, and we got reservations for Hoopty Doo for the first time. We're both very excited. But as the millennial I am, I am kind of anxious about the best way to get there. Um, I know that we're staying on property at Pop Century, and I know if we do the bus situation, we're going to have to, like, take it to Magic Kingdom and then from there to Fort Wilderness, I believe. Um, anyways, as since you are the queen of hoop-de-doo, I wondered if you could kind of give a breakdown or some options of what the best way for us to get there might be, um, specifically from Pop Century, if you can. And then, like, how much time we should try to plan for for transportation for that night thank you so much and thank you for um the podcast i listen to it every week and i really enjoy it have a great rest of your day now obviously this is airing after kelsey's reservation don't worry we texted i got all the info out there but i wanted to answer this in general on the podcast since it is a worthy question as this is one of the trickiest transportation destinations at walt disney world so hoopty doo as all of you probably know, is the incredible dinner show at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort. We've done a whole episode about it. If you're new here, I highly recommend you check that out. It is a bit tricky to reach, though, because you cannot drive directly there or even take a hotel-bound Disney bus directly to the show. But you have a handful of different options when it comes to attending Hoopty Doo. Pioneer Hall, where you're headed, is located off an internal bus loop at Disney's Fort Wilderness. If you're driving yourself or Ubering lifting there, which I think is the quickest and easiest way, you will park or be dropped off at the main front parking lot of Disney's Fort Wilderness, and then you will board their internal resort bus to Pioneer Hall. It's what I've done most of the time that I've gone, and it's quite easy, but if you get a little confused, which happens, it totally happens, just be sure to ask the bus driver if the bus goes to Pioneer Hall, and when they say yes, know that you're good. If you are coming from the parks directly, or are simply a glutton for punishment and plan to take the bus from your resort to a park to board hotel transportation, good luck. <laughs> You can take the regular Disney's Fort Wilderness bus and then transfer to the internal bus once you arrive. Or, if you are coming from Magic Kingdom, you can take a boat directly to the area by Pioneer Hall. No bus needed. So if you are taking the boat, or as they call it, water taxi or water launch from Magic Kingdom, that will drop you off where you need to go at Disney's Fort Wilderness. You won't need to board that other bus. If you're traveling from Magic Kingdom area resorts like Grand Floridian or Disney's Polynesian Village Resort or even the Contemporary, that is probably your best bet for transportation. Now, what you need to keep in mind is timing. Hoopty Doo Musical Review asks you to arrive 30 minutes early for check-in and recommends 30 minutes from parking at the hotel or arriving at the hotel for that internal bus loop. And if you're taking park transportation, recommend 90 minutes. That's why I advise against it. It is not for the faint of heart to take a bus to a park and take another bus to here to possibly take yet another bus. That's that 90 minute time frame. Sometimes it does take that long. And that's why I prefer to throw about $11 at it to make that problem go away. If you are running late or just got deep pockets, there is an escape hatch. Minivans. 
The Disney Lyft partner vehicles, as many of you know, available for booking within the Lyft app, can drop you off at the Pioneer Hall bus stop. That means you avoid switching any buses, you avoid parking and having to board a vehicle. It will drop you off where you need to go. And remember, there are minivans that are wheelchair and ECV compatible, which makes it a reliable yet pricey option if you're in need. And if you're just planning to not go to Hoopty Doo and dine at Trails End Restaurant or hit up P&J's Southern Takeout to grab your fill of their fried chicken, transportation will be the same situation as Hoopty Doo. If anyone ever has any questions like this about transportation, please call the Churros Hotline and I'm happy to help you on your way to your vacation. Thanks for calling. Hi, Carly. This is Rachel from Orlando. I just wanted to chime in on a conversation about the difficulty of visiting the Disney parks lately, but from a slightly different perspective. So my partner and I are part-time residents of Orlando, so we are very fortunate to get to visit Disney very frequently and very casually. Usually we will pop in for just dinner, drinks, ride a ride or two, and it is a dream, I will say. Um, But I will say also that over the past year, all the changes have made it difficult to visit this way. The cost of food and especially drinks has gone up so much that it's gotten pretty prohibitive for us to go. And the lines for rides have gotten much longer and we can't really justify waiting in line for um, a couple hours. Um, I will say a, a perk of, the, of Genie Plus is that it does prioritize visitors um, getting on rides over locals just because the locals aren't buying it. And I would much rather that someone who is visiting Disney for the first time or once a year gets to ride something over me because I can ride it when I want to. Um, but I will say that since the experience has changed so much for locals, we have honestly been spending less time at Disney and more time at Universal Orlando because, to be honest, It is a very fun hang, and it is not as complicated to visit. And I know that I am not the only theme park fan in Orlando that feels this way. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for the Disney company over the next couple years. Um, Or maybe the strategy is different than I know. Who knows? Um, But anyway, we love you so much, Carly. Every time you're on, my partner comes in and is like, what is Carly yelling about now? <laughs> but really, you bring such a great perspective, and um, you are just the best. So thank you for all you do. Okay, bye-bye. I wanted to play this call because I think it's a really good point of view that complements the idea that these parks are getting more prohibitively difficult for vacationers and guests traveling in. But there's also a flip side to that, that even local loyal customers are feeling that end of it. Obviously, we see a lot of this discussion surrounding Magic Key Passes at Disneyland, which, woof, (laughs) that reservation system is not ideal, yet also seems like they're in a no-win scenario. Like, truly, I don't know how to fix Disneyland without just getting rid of annual passes altogether. But... In Orlando, at the Florida parks, they are so much bigger and there are so many, there's a smaller chunk of locals that even hearing this on this level is pretty interesting and worth discussing. I really appreciate how Rachel phrased this about, while Genie Plus does prioritize visitors over locals, which is fair, and I agree, it's interesting that even just the food has reached a breaking point on cost where it doesn't make as much sense to go to Disney to eat, even on a local level when you're not paying for travel or lodging or anything like that. Switching to Universal out of ease is an interesting trend, especially since you've noticed it, you're doing it, and... So have I. (laughs) On the West Coast, I myself have been doing the same thing with Universal Studios Hollywood. I can arrive whenever I want. I don't need to make advanced plans. They don't have park reservations on either coast. And I will just go for a few hours, buy some food, and bounce, which is kind of how a lot of us regulars, locals, people with annual passes used to treat the Disney parks. And while the experience at Universal is very different from Disney, it's just a completely different beast, it is interesting that the parks are in such peak demand, the Disney parks, I mean, Universal's in demand too, but they don't have the same restrictions prior to arriving. It's interesting that 
Even locals are now taking this into account and dialing back their visits. I agree that it's going to be very, very interesting to see how all of this pans out, both on the local end and on the visitor guest end in the next three, four, five years. Thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. And I really, really appreciate your perspective. Hi, Carly. Absolutely love the podcast. Um, And my question is, we are taking our almost two-year-old to Disney for the first time in September. Um, My husband and I are big Disney fans, have been a million times together and separately, but this will be our first time taking the little one because of COVID, and we've been very COVID cautious. So I'm looking at possibly only doing outdoor restaurants, so wondering your best recommendations for outdoor restaurants. And then second part of the question would be, if we were to do a character meal, looking for what you would recommend as maybe the one that's the most spaced out or the most COVID cautious. Thanks. Appreciate all the help. Bye. Obviously, I am playing this call a bit late, but I wanted to answer it regardless on here because my recommendations for outdoor dining are long overdue. I truly don't know how I haven't done this on the podcast. I still currently prioritize outdoor dining heavily. I rarely, if ever, eat indoors if possible. But It can be a bit tricky to navigate that at Walt Disney World, and not just because of the weather and being in the blaring sunshine. (laughs) Quick service restaurants will always be easier to find outdoor seating for, but there are some table service restaurants that are a good, reliable bet. So before I get into those and my recommendations, I do just want to mention, in terms of character breakfasts, which you asked about, the only option for me personally at this time, as much as I would love to go to Crystal Palace, is the Goofy and His Pals Disney Character Breakfast at the Four Seasons Resort Orlando at Walt Disney World Resort. Yeah, it's gonna be pricey, but it is not only the best character meal, I think, because the food is fantastic, but they have a covered outdoor patio that is, it's as outside as you're gonna get if you wanna see characters. It is not completely open, it is somewhat covered. Um, it's not it's not as outdoors as I would like, but it's as outdoors as you're probably gonna get. And I think that that is the best option for a character dining um a character dining meal where you are very far from other people and not truly, truly indoors. Now, in terms of the outdoor dining locations that I lean into and enjoy while at Walt Disney World. Inside the parks, uh, we will start with Magic Kingdom. Sorry, I'm just turning my phone on airplane mode because I know I'm gonna get a text. Uh, yep, I, I was right. <laughs> I just had a sense. So inside Magic Kingdom, yeah, you're you're kind of your options are limited. I find this park to be the most the trickiest to eat at, regardless. But one of the better outdoor seating areas, in my opinion, is by Sleepy Hollow. So you can eat there. You can even get food at Columbia Harbor House, which I love going to. I love that salmon, as you know. And you can bring it over if someone in your party doesn't want to eat a waffle sandwich as a meal. I also haven't been to Pico's Bill in a while, but. I gotta go back there. I feel like their outdoor seating is usually pretty packed, so in my brain I'm like, steer clear. But if you can't find anywhere there, you can always sit by Tortuga Tavern, which is more of a note to me than it is to anyone else that I have to go back there because there's so much outdoor seating. And prepping for this as well, I realized Tony's Town Square Restaurant has outdoor seating. It is possibly, I think, the... Yeah, it is the only table service restaurant in Magic Kingdom with outdoor seating. So I may have to head back there because it's such a rarity to find something like that. Over at Epcot, you guessed it, La Cantina de San Angel has become even more of a go-to for me in this pandemic, post-pandemic, still kind of pandemic time, just because it's convenient, it's easy, I like the food there. You only have to wait a few minutes to try to nab a seat. It's just you get a waterfront view, it's covered, it's nice, it's reliable, that's why I love it. I've also gotten food from Le Boulangerie in the France Pavilion, um, just gotten a sandwich or pastries and taken them outside to eat them. I often go to Spice Road Table because it's a table service restaurant which has loads of outdoor seating on the water. And I even recently had a meal at, oh God, how do I say it? Tangerine Cafe, I think that's how you say it. Um, I'm not obsessed with their new menu, It's changed over. The ownership has changed over. I miss the mint tea very much, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't too bad. The only outdoor dining that I'm going to give you a little flag about is Regal Eagle Smokehouse. I liked my meal. I liked what I ate there. 
But oh my goodness, I do not recommend eating outside there. <laughs> oh my God. I did it with my mom and I was sitting with my back to like a smoker. And I swear it was like 30 to 40 degrees hotter than it was at the park. And it's already hot at the park. So just keep that in mind. In the win, I mean, if you get like the one day that's cold, then maybe it's okay. But the, the food is good. Just be careful. Just be mindful of where you sit outside because you might truly be roasting while you eat your meats. <laughs> Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Talking Bay 7 is the most reliable option for me. Um, as I've probably mentioned before, I don't really eat much at this park unless it's like plastic cheese from Backlot Express or the Big Pretzel from Baseline Tap House, both of which have outdoor seating options. Keep that in mind. But Unfortunately, the fun, exciting dining options at Hollywood Studios and the main draws here when it comes to eating are deeply, deeply indoors. However, there is a patio at Hollywood Brown Derby, which is waiter service. The uh, The menu and the vibe is a little different from the main restaurant. It's kind of like a lounge annex to it, but it's a reliable table, table service option. So feel free to drop by, see what the wait is like, and you should be able to have like a proper meal while outside, which is nice. In Animal Kingdom, there's so much outdoor seating and all the quick service here, but I love Nomad Lounge. It is obviously a lounge, but you have a waiter. So if you want to have a bunch of food, you want to have some drinks, you can hang out. It is very relaxing and very nice. So Tuli Canteen is one of my favorite places to eat, but their outdoor seating is so chaotic. It is not a good vibe. I do not love it. So I have... I've eaten in there a couple times since the park has reopened, since it was in an empty space. There wasn't people around, so feel that out while you're there. But I do like eating there, but yikes, the outdoor seating is stressful. Otherwise, I'd check out uh, Flame Tree Barbecue or the Yak and Yeti like food, the stand for Yak and Yeti, not the actual table service restaurant. Both of those have ample outdoor seating. And... To go back to Magic Kingdom for a moment, because I, uh, my notes are not organized. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to copy paste this. To go back to Magic Kingdom, um, real quick. This is a little out of left field, but I have, and I slightly recommend if you really want to like, take a little break, take a load off, especially because you have a young kid, you can leave the park and go to one of the surrounding hotels, one of the Magic Kingdom area hotels, which have really great options for an outdoor lunch. Uh, Gasparilla Island Grill at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa has my favorite macaroni and cheese. It is scrumptious. Captain Cook's at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort is always a solid option. And Contempo Cafe at Disney's Contemporary Resort is very indoors. But if you take the stairs out the back and you go out, there are loads of picnic tables with umbrellas that you can sit at. It's easy peasy. I had an unbelievable salad when I was there and I just sat outside and ate it and it was great. You can also walk there really easily from Magic Kingdom. I mean, you're going to have to push or carry a child, but hypothetically, easier to walk. And I swear to you, I know there's a walking path from Magic Kingdom to Grand Floridian, but it's too hot. It's so much hotter to walk the Grand Floridian one. I've told Brooke McDonald, this friend of the podcast, Brooke loves the walking path to Grand Floridian. To me, it feels like standing on the surface of the sun. So just keep that in mind. It's real easy. Or you can just take the monorail. Outside of the parks, I'm just sending you straight to Disney Springs. Just just go there for dinner whenever it works for your schedule. And obviously, this call was for um for people with a child. But regardless, I'm going to give you my tips no matter who is listening. Nearly every spot here has outdoor dining, which is so convenient. Personally, I frequent Wine Bar George. If you are going there, be sure to call in advance. I usually make a reservation on Open Table and then call and be like, hey, I'd really love to sit outside. There's limited tables up on the second floor balcony outside. But if you call and you ask, you should be fine. Otherwise, the boathouse has really good outdoor seating. I really enjoy it there. Just if you're eating at either of those and you're going for dinner, bring sunglasses. Bring sunglasses because uh, the sun going down will really make it impossible to see. It can be very, very bright and very jarring. So just bring a pair of sunglasses. Um, also, in just double checking a few things for this episode, apparently Morimoto Asia has outdoor seating on an upper balcony, which I did not realize and had no idea about. And I'm going to have to, I haven't been back there, I think, since the pandemic, since the, that, the very last visit I did for Runaway Railway, right before the pandemic began. And now I'm going to go back because there's this outdoor seating. I'll check it out. I'll let you guys know how it is. And if you're not in the mood for something fancy, for a waiter, for a table service restaurant, there are casual options as well, like Pete, 
Pizza Ponte, which I hate saying on here because I don't know if it's Pizza Pont or Pizza Ponte. Oh, so embarrassing. Blaze Pizza, which I've weirdly had a hankering for for many weeks now, so I gotta head back there. Deluxe Burger, and my one true love, Chicken Guy, which can easily be enjoyed outdoors. I hope that helps anyone who's still sticking to outdoors or if that is of interest. And thanks for the call. And sorry this took so long to tell you about. I, I mostly eat outdoors. Why haven't I done this yet? Ugh, I have failed you all. Hello, Carly. It's George from South Carolina. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, my question is, where is my beloved Disney dining plan? Uh, I used to love going to the parks and paying for food up front and not having to worry about shelling out every time I wanted a churro or a Dole Whip or a nice meal. Um, Disney has said that it's coming back, but they haven't said when, and almost everything is back except for the dining plan. Do you have any inside info? Can you speculate? I would love to know. Thanks. Love the show. Goodbye. George, here's the deal. I have no idea. I have no idea. I once was talking to someone, I don't even remember when, but it, it was someone at the company who I must do PR. And I casually mentioned to them, oh, because uh, Disney dining plans returning at the end of the year. And I was swiftly corrected <laughs> that no time frame had yet been announced. And that was just me like making a mistake and misspeaking. So that's the most intel I've gotten is that there's no time frame and we're just going to wait it out. I I feel your pain. I get it. I want the the DDP diehards to get it back, especially now that they've said it's coming back. But because sometimes they say things are coming back and then they're not, now I'm like, who knows? The thing is, the concrete information we do have is that bookings are pretty high right now. We know that from what's been mentioned on the earnings calls. We know that the hotels are being booked. People are coming to the parks. The parks are in demand. So maybe once that dips a little, once that trend changes of people doing, uh, what do they call it, bounce back trips or revenge trips, something. I'm blanking on the term that the industry uses, but it's for people who had pent up demand during the early portion of the pandemic. So maybe once bookings are softer, then they'll use the dining plan as a perk for staying on property. Maybe next spring, maybe next year. Truly, I don't know. But for your sake and for everyone else who loves it, I really, really hope it comes back soon. And if I hear anything or or gossip that I can go off of, which I don't like to report on, but I get it when it comes to the dining plan, I will let you know. I'm so sorry I don't have a more concrete answer. But thank you for calling. Hey, Carly, this is Sophia from South Florida. I'm calling because I just returned from a trip to Disney World where I spent a considerable time uh, in bed, too, just playing around at the Disney Play app or Play Disney app and using the new Magic Bands to do bungee hunting. Um, I have just recently found a true deep love to Star Wars universe which thankfully I did not grow up loving until now. So I've been having just a lot of fun, um, truly enjoying the parks, the whole area, and just being so immersive that I realized I truly could spend like half a day on that too, just doing the Play Disney apps. I feel like it does not get enough of a spotlight, but there is the whole, um, there's so many jobs and things like that that you can do for the First Order or for the Rebellion. Um, and I just feel like it doesn't get enough of a spotlight. Sorry, this was so dragged out and long, but I was just hoping you could talk about that. It's such a fun experience that I don't think a lot of people take advantage of. And for us Disney nerds who love being immersed in all the different lands, I think it's such a cool feature that, I don't know, I just think more people should be enjoying. That is all. Thanks for listening to my but too loving rambling heart. Thanks. Bye. I agree. You're right. I personally am not a gaming person, so it's not really my bag. But I think Play Disney Parks is a great product and regularly has new facets of it rolling out. So if anyone listening hasn't used it yet and is intrigued beyond just what you can do at Batu within the Play Disney Parks platform, definitely check it out. And it's definitely worth doing at least once. On a personal note, Sophia, uh, if you enjoy the Play Disney Parks app and functionality this much and you enjoy interactive Star Wars stuff at the parks, you're going to need to go on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. There is a whole other 
element of unlocking areas of that land while you're doing your daytime visit to Galaxy's Edge and sounds like it is tailor-made to you. Truly a huge chunk of Star Cruiser is using the app to kind of enhance your experience in a Star Wars story of your own. So... I would maybe start saving up to go on that one day because you clearly, if you are calling in because you love the Batu Bounty Hunters feature within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, you gotta go on Star Cruiser. I'm sorry to your bank account <laughs> for letting you know that, but definitely explore that because it sounds like it is right up your alley. I hope you, I hope you make it there and I, I hope you have a great time. Hi, Carly. This is Candace from Folsom. It is July, and I am already planning a trip to Walt Disney World in April. I am from California, like you, and I am planning my first full Walt Disney World trip. I have two younger children. They'll be five and eight when we go. My question is, what do you recommend for one park per day as far as the order We're going to fly from California. Hopefully our flights don't get messed up. I'm kind of nervous to book something the day after a flight, but that's what's happening. What would you do first? Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom. I think we're going to add in a break day. How should we break it up? I need your expertise. Also, pull some strings. Call Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know who, but please help us get that rule change where we have to sign up for Disney Plus at what feels like 4 a.m. It just, I can't. That's too much. Anyway, uh, love the podcast. You are awesome. Thank you for everything you do. And please help me. Okay, bye. Ooh, Candice. Oh, I love questions like this. So in terms of what you should do first, regardless of your plans, I would start with Magic Kingdom. It's the big show. It's full of a lot of the experiences you'll want to do, especially with two kids, five and eight, and has the most rides. And even if you have some of them at Disneyland, they're different here. They're different here. Some of them are bigger. It's different. It's It's got the castle. I mean, it's truly got it all. And I feel like it's the right entry into Walt Disney World. Whereas entering say, Animal Kingdom and seeing a beautiful tree might not be the same we've arrived from the other side of the country vibe if you catch my drift. Without knowing how many days you're there for and kind of what your kids are into, if you're doing one park per day, I would start and if possible, end your trip with Magic Kingdom if you have enough days. Otherwise, the order inside of that I think is totally up to you. If you are going to all four parks, The only real serious advice I have is to start at Magic Kingdom, since you can still give Mickey Mouse a hug goodbye no matter which park you end at. And I would take your break day about halfway through the trip, closer to the end than the front if it doesn't work out evenly. Because you're not park hopping, it is viable to head back to the hotel for afternoon breaks or lunchtime swims if you'd like. So putting the full day off towards the middle seems like the safest bet. Also, be sure to check your kids' heights before you go, as as always, as I'm sure you know from Disneyland, just so you can gauge how much there is for them to do at each park if you are choosing between hitting, say, two parks or three parks instead of all four of them. As for the 7 a.m. nonsense, dude, I don't know why. I don't know why. Truly, there must, like, people who run the company, people, whoever is in charge, I don't know if it's Uh, Josh tomorrow. I don't know who, if it's Disney World execs, I don't know who is like truly the point person for Genie Plus, but whoever, whoever experiences that does not know what it's like to fly from LA with your family and then have to wake up when your body thinks it's 4 a.m. and immediately be on an app racing to get certain selections. It is a struggle. It is intrinsically opposite of a vacation. It is not leisure time. And it's bad. It's really bad. It's a really bad experience. And I hate it. And I'm very sorry that you have to deal with it. Uh, I would uh, just maybe stop sleeping now to train for it. Truly, I have no advice. I'm so sorry. But at least you will have a great time at Walt Disney World, even if you might need a little extra pep in your step and a lot of extra caffeine to get through. I hope you have the most wonderful trip. And honestly, if you're planning this early, you're fine. You're fine. You're going to have the best time. Hi, Carly. Uh, my name is Angela, and I'm calling from the Bay Area, and I have a two-part question for you. So my friends and I are going to Walt Disney World for the first time in November. Very excited, uh, especially during the holiday season. But we just found out that Mickey's very merry Christmas special ticketed event is going to be on one of the nights that we're going to be at Magic Kingdom. So 
does that mean that we are going to get kicked out early, like at 7 p.m. when the ticketed event starts? Um, I thought I read somewhere online that if you have that day ticket, let's call it, um, you get to stay for the fireworks show, and then they kick you off. Is that true, or is that old information? Um, it's kind of a bummer if they kick you out so early, because we'd love to see the night work, nighttime you know, shows, because we've never been there before. Um, second part, my question is about transportation. I am kind of confused <laughs> about how transportation works at Walt Disney World. Um, we're staying at Disney hotels uh, during our stay to get that magic um, morning hour. But does that mean that there is transportation that early? Uh, in my experience with Disneyland hotels, if you want to do rope drop, some shuttles don't start that early, so you have to walk yourself to park. Um, but that doesn't seem to be an option for Disney World. So what's the best way to get there for rope drop? Um, anyway, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Love it so much, and I love to stream the intro every time. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one that does that. But thank you so much, Carly. Bye-bye. So unfortunately, your concerns are accurate. On nights of Magic Kingdom's ticketed Christmas party, known as Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, the Magic Kingdom will close to day guests when the party begins. You won't be shoved out forcefully, but they will do a phased closure between day guests and party guests when the event begins, since party guests can and typically do enter Magic Kingdom starting at 4 p.m. As for fireworks... Unfortunately, day guests on a night where there is a Christmas party will not be able to see the fireworks from within the park. I think what likely happened here is that you may have read or heard information from Very Merriest After Hours, which was an amended version of the standard Christmas party that was held in 2021. Because that was a late night event and it started so much later, there were fireworks for all since park hours were more regular than they are on current traditional party nights. Assuming you have single park admission, which is kind of what it sounds like, you essentially have three options. One, you could change the day of your visit to Magic Kingdom with another day. However, the popular view on this is that attendance will be lower in Magic Kingdom on a party night because most people will be doing that and won't want to be at Magic Kingdom because the day ends at 7 p.m. So it's a toss-up because you might have a better, more robust day at Magic Kingdom because people aren't frequenting it as much, or you might be able to have more time on another day, but there would be larger crowds. Honestly, it's a toss-up. I feel like it's really hard to work off data in 2022 because everything is so different and demand is so high, but just wanted to mention that. Your second option is to upgrade to Park Hopper Admission if you don't already have it and spend that day at Magic Kingdom. And then once you can in the afternoon, hop to another park and see nighttime entertainment at somewhere like Epcot. Then you can do the reverse on another night to come back and see Disney's Enchantment, the current show at Magic Kingdom. Or you could, option three, keep your plans and watch the fireworks from outside the parks on the day you spend at Magic Kingdom. I, as always, recommend Disney's Polynesian Village Resort directly across the way, but just keep in mind that on these party nights, it will be a holiday-themed seasonal fireworks show. But hey, fireworks are always a good time, so really, there's not too much of a difference. As for transportation, to answer your question, early theme park entry is offered a half hour prior to park opening at all four parks every single day. Bus transportation to the parks from your resort hotel will start about 45 minutes before this early theme park entry. So not 45 minutes before actual park opening, 45 before this earlier entry. You can get to the bus stop super early to make sure you're not caught in a crowd and missing the first bus, but... Honestly, if we're getting real here, if early theme park entry is a priority to you, or I don't know, you like to sleep like I do, just take an Uber or a Lyft. If you're with a group, it'll truly be 4 or $5 max a person. And it's so worth the convenience, especially if you don't happen to have car seats or little kids with you, and none of that is an issue. I hope you have so much fun on your trip. Have a wonderful time. And if you come across any other questions, feel free to call back. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening to our first of two Churros Hotline Roundup episodes. Please, if you have a chance, rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts or rate and follow us on Spotify. We love it uh, when they're nice. (laughs) Occasionally they're not nice and we don't love that, but we love when they're nice. You can give us a call whenever you'd like at 747churros. You can send a voice note via text to 747churros or email it as an attachment to 747churros at gmail.com. If that is something you've been putting off for a while and you really want to do, I would highly recommend doing that within the next couple weeks because then it could be eligible for inclusion into our next churros roundup episode if you're like hey i like the sound of this podcast but i wish they were also low-key a clothing company oh don't sweat it because we are you can find very amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com where at long last we have added clothing for kiddos or just small people with small torsos either one we have toddler we have youth we have kids which as a non-parent to me those are all the same word but <laughs> apparently that's those are different sizes uh the size i did all the size charts don't worry uh they're accurate but but just to let you know, we have a range of sizes and we have t-shirts in some sizes in yellow and some sizes in white. And they have the same puffy font, the puffy logo as our standard Very Amusing wear. So be sure to check that out, very-amusing.com. You can also follow me at Carly Weisel on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, or join the family at facebook.com slash group slash Carly Weisel. This episode was edited obligingly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. It's late, so I'm trying to be quiet. Um, this was such a fun, fun, exciting episode with Bobby Moynihan and you. The two of you together going back and forth, it was so enjoyable. I had no idea how many things he is involved in. This is wild. I only knew him from Saturday Night Live. Um, Funny, funny stories. I like the secret doors in his house. I love that you got to tour the garage. He's a funny guy. That was really great. I had the best time listening. But I think it's so special, you're so special, that you tried to get him and Andrew Feldman together to work on projects. You're amazing. I love you so much. I'm going to see you very, very, very soon. That's probably why I'm so excited at 3 in the morning. Um, and I just want to leave saying I hope and pray that everybody in Florida is staying safe, especially Orlando and everywhere else there in Florida. I love you, and I will talk to you very soon. Bye, sweetheart.